Welcome to the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neil, and I'm joined by filmmaker Sam Fox. It's very good to have you back. Howdy. Yes, I love the hat. I love yours too. Oh, thank you. Mine's uh, been it was hand painted by my friend Annabelle, and I have to mention her, or else she'll be very mad. Wow. Um, mine's not that special, but uh, it's a cowboy hat, and I'm a cowboy, so <laughs> right, right. Yeah, actually, when I was looking uh, stuff, I, I've talked to you before, but I didn't know like you uh, grew up on a farm, uh, animal farm, which is very interesting. I did. It's um, it's a weird little because you hear like Malibu, which is where I was born, and you think like oh, Corvettes and like the beach and opulence, but we grew up in the Malibu mountains, which I guess comparatively. Um, the Manson family was in the canyons as well. They were more Topanga Canyon, but it's a very similar vibe of it's where people go to hide. <laughs> so um, my dad was a, uh, I don't know if he was a hippie or a wannabe hippie, or maybe all hippies are wannabe hippies. Hey. Uh, Cause you have to have some money to be a real hippie. Um, <laughs> if you're not going to have a job, otherwise you're homeless. So he got uh, this property up in the Malibu mountains back in the sixties, it must've been and decided that he wanted to have his own farm. And I think that ended up being, I don't know if it was like aided his conscience cause he liked animals or maybe it was when my mom moved there that she's like, we're not doing this. Um, and by doing this, I mean, eating animals right. that he had as pets. Um, it's kind of fucked up. So, uh, yeah, I grew up there and it's absolutely stunning, but it, it's not it's not the best place for for children with not a lot of friends around them. It's it's good for the imagination. Right. Well, well, when I first read that, I thought, well, it's weird that you would come from an animal farm and, you know, make weird movies. But I but uh, that story there, I assume they, they were uh, supportive of you being creative and making things. Actually, so the reason I make weird movies is I was I was raised in a very um, chaotic kind of household um, with not a lot of parental guidance. And my mom used to like my favorite movie when I was five was Rosemary's Baby. And um, <laughs> yeah, and like I loved I, this is so messed up, but I loved Faces of Death and I was. I was like five or six because it was my, before my parents got divorced and I got they got divorced when I was six. So I was watching really dark stuff when other kids were watching like Lion King. And I think between that and like being in this um, this beautiful, I don't know, like place of solitude, um, the imagination runs wild and that's kind of all you have up there. And so... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the way I turned out. I'm happy with the creative inspiration it's given me, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was weird times. Yeah. I grew up watching horror movies too, since, uh, my mom is single mom and my brother's nine years older. So he, she'd take him to the drive-in and would just bring yeah. it home instead of getting a, 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 a babysitter or whatever. So I remember seeing uh, all kinds of crazy stuff from a very young age. I feel like a lot of the people that are in our genre uh, filmmaking have similar stories. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I'm that they didn't discover till later in life because they weren't allowed to watch it. Then they just watched everything. Ah, uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Repression. Which, yeah, which I always think that's kind of cool too because that would be it would be fun to watch everything new that you you know you've never seen before. God, I find it would be like way scarier for some reason. I feel like when you're when you're um, desensitized to it at such a young age, you don't really know, like you don't know the repercussions of death when you're six years old. Right. So it's just cool. And of course, there are parts that are scary, but like the guy's head that's cut off, you don't really understand like what that means. Yeah. And um, and yeah, I feel like if I were to watch it when I really did know what it's like to like, be walking alone at night and that get that predatory vibe. Um, maybe I'd have some trouble watching some of these films. Sure. Yeah. I always kind of roll my eyes when I see people say like, they don't like a horror movie because they weren't scared, but I'm always like, well, I only liked horror movies that, that scared me. Like I wouldn't have liked anything since I was like five or six. Like, 
right. not a tough guy, but you know, I grew up watching them. Like, I would think most adult people who grew up watching horror movies aren't still like petrified by them. No, I think having a sense of like you're heightened. Um, you don't necessarily need to be scared, but maybe you could be excited and titillized and um, grossed out. I think that there's so many different feelings that one would want to be, uh, one would want to evoke watching um, horror or scary movies. Yeah, I said this in a uh, before in the show. I think if something evokes any kind of emotional response, that that's good, even if it's a negative response. Oh yeah, pure hate is a great response. I love I love when I read some of the reviews about my stuff and they're just like this this is completely pointless trash. I don't understand why they made this. I'm like, oh yes, thank you so much. Well, it is better than someone just said, eh, whatever. Like response. Yeah. And I just I love that like, I don't know, my stupid six minute movie caused you to feel so much anger. By the way, we should mention that. Bad acid. Uh, yeah. So, uh, for people not aware yet, can, can you give them an idea of what Bad Acid is? The movie. Yeah, right. yeah Bad Acid. It's a, a six-minute stupid film about. Um, it's it's kind of a uh, a psychedelic foray into um, the dark side of uh, vanity, narcissism, fitness, kind of all rolled into one. It started as a um, a fashion film, actually, with. Uh, Candace, who I work with um, as she does production design on all my films. We're also very good friends um, and she styles the films. She uh, makes clothing. She makes this, these bodysuits um, and it's called Animal Crackers and it's amazing stuff. And uh, it was the beginning of the pandemic and I was watching these fitness videos, you know, because you had to work out from home. Gyms were closed and they were just so boring. Like you know, beige onesies and like hair down and straight. And I wanted like the neon lights and the big hair and the, you know, high socks and the spandex and the neon. And um, at the same time, she was making like colorful workout gear because she was kind of going through the same thing. And we, we talked about how we wanted to make an aerobics video together um to put out for people to do aerobics to and do like a high energy just disco track and just do something fun and i think when we started actually thinking about what this would cost we're like this is this is silly let's just make a short film so it turned into uh we built a storyline of of our main character sheila who is um we don't know this but she was taunted when she was a young girl for being overweight and not you know, not cute. And she grows up to be this fitness fanatic narcissist who's just completely obsessed with herself. And every morning she has the same routine. She wakes up, she looks at herself in the mirror, loves and adores herself, puts on um, a workout video called Sexy Volume 14. Her fitness god, John Flexi, is in it. Uh, we don't know. There's a little thing that occurs which could cause this trip that she goes on or... John Flexi's known for mind control. He's kind of like a cult leader in the fitness world. Maybe the two things consecutively happen. Um, when we get to the, uh, the the workout series, maybe we can explore that. But yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. Just um, the, the clothing cl- collection is called Bad Acid. So it was just how far could I push it? Um, and Candace, my partner, was just like all the way. Yeah. So I, I really had a lot of fun watching it. Not just I'm not just saying that because you're here, but uh, it's fun. Uh, I, I love the colors and it's weird. I like weird things, but <laughs> all of it works together. Thank you. And it, that's I like the story that it came out of. You were just going to actually make like a workout video and then it became this weird uh, film instead. Yeah, I one of the things that I'm not very proficient at is writing and so i normally come up with an idea and then that idea i'll somehow formulate into something and you'll like my other film is just about a a girl who becomes an electric eel and electrocutes which her i love as well yeah. <laughs> that's yeah unagi yeah. so um <laughs> none of my things are really profound but i want to make fun pieces of art that are just short and quick and um 
and cause some sort of excitement or joy, or maybe they make you want to dance. Um, I am trying to get more into like my next film, writing some dialogue, because if I'm ever going to go anywhere, I got to prove that I can direct actors talking to each other. It works for a six minute short, but if you're going to do a feature or something, I assume. Uh, yeah. I need to talk. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of right now more in the experimental kind of midnight category in all the film festivals I've done. So I would like to kind of not go mainstream and not sell out, but do what I do with, with some casual back and forth. Well, a good thing lately is there are more platforms for like weirder uh, films. It used to be, what would you do with like a, an underground movie, you know, once it, it ran a festival, but now like with the rise of streaming sites, there's places they could go. Yeah. And I've actually, so I've been touring cause when I made Unagi, um, we, it was during the pandemic. So I didn't even really submit it to any film festivals. And then uh, the film where, where we met um, Wowzers, that was a 37 minute short film. Yeah. Which is really so, hard to, uh, <laughs> What, what do you do with that? Yeah. Yeah. So as, as we did, we did actually play, you know, quite a few film festivals shockingly with that long of a, a short, but um, this is kind of my first time really touring the genre circuit. And it's really cool because um, we started in July at Fantasia in Quebec. And um, the last one we did was film quest in Utah nightmares in Ohio before that. And we're kind of, playing alongside a lot of the same films, even if we're not in the same category, it's the same, same filmmakers. And I'm just noticing that there's so many wild out there, creative, just completely unique and different ideas that I would never think um, would be the type of films that would play festivals because they're so out there. Mm -hmm. And there's genre cinema has just become so big that there's a home for us freaks. And it's so, refreshing and beautiful and exciting and the, the the filmmakers that are coming out of these festivals are really talented like i've just been blown away by the talent i've seen and the creativity that was the main thing i missed during the pandemic was going to the festivals because you get to see like you said all these weird things and um i always get annoyed when people want to argue you know genre like oh this is a horror movie this is sci-fi whatever and at the festivals, there's things that some don't even fit into any genre or they could be multiple genres. And you don't necessarily see that at like the mainstream cinema. Right. That's actually the category I've been in is the um, it's it's so cool. The programmer at Fantasia, who is just it's the best programming I've ever seen in my life. Like the way that she seamlessly tied each short together one after the next in the order. Um the the program that we played in which was called the cavalcade of perversions is as she said um the category for films that don't fit into any category and uh yeah and midnight is kind of a bit like that yeah. um but i'm seeing that these filmmakers are the type of people that would be the next jordan peele or you know doing stuff with xyz yeah, I don't want to talk over it, but even um, when I said about not necessarily play mainstream cinema, but really some mainstream horror movies lately have been have been strange. They have, oh my been, God. yeah, like even Absolutely. Smile of this year was a very weird movie. Yeah, um, and I think he's kind of an alumni of a lot of the film festivals that that I've been going to, which is very cool mm -hmm. to see. Yeah, especially something to do that well. Think times are changing. I'm feeling this shift in the last year where people are so sick of, you know, the Hollywood blockbuster films that have been coming out. And there's these smaller distribution companies like, you know, a 24 kind of set the mold, but now like more and more like neon and XYZ are doing just so many really different, unique films like men, you know, Alex Garland's yeah. men is out there. So it's exciting times. Yeah, and I always tell people because they always say like it's only Marvel movies play at the theater, but I, I go to the theater every week, and I I saw Men at the theater, and I saw all kinds of weird stuff. Uh, you just have to go out and see them. You know, they're playing. There's yeah, yeah. What kind of forever is playing on ten right. screens? But there's also some other uh, some other stuff you might be into. Yeah, I've I've noticed with that you just have to be 
aware because these things aren't promoted. You're not seeing like the trailers on TV. Um, so if you're just kind of, you know, you follow the the socials on Instagram, you can, you can hear about these. I mean, lots of things actually are getting small theatrical, even one week theatrical releases, um, moon garden, which just cleaned up at, um, at film quest. Um, it's a feature. Did you see it? Uh, no, I didn't see it. Okay. And they played at nightmares too. Um, it was right before my screening. So I was actually eating during it and everyone was like, you made such a huge mistake. You missed the one movie you should never eat. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> um, and, and I, it's like kind of like an industrial labyrinth and everyone's been flipping out at it. Uh, so they, they just got a uh, distribution through, I think it's oscillator and they're going to have a theatrical release. So cool. yes, it's so great to get to see these films. Like, on a screen yeah i mean uh, to me the best way to see any movies on the big screen that's how i would see you know any movie it's always not possible to see everything on the big screen but th that's definitely the way to see it um right. <clears throat> when i was at um in london you know terrifier 2 premiered and then you know it it was only going to play like three or four days and it keeps getting extended and it's made even if people don't like it because i know a lot of my filmmakers don't like the terrifier movies i like uh -huh. them but but I think you have to support that it's made like 10 over $10 million. I think that's, uh, that's good for all of us who make, you know, uh, some small independent. Oh, you know what? It shows the financers that uh, our, our concepts actually can make them money and maybe to take a risk. Look, they're not all going to make money. A lot of them are going to lose it, but at least if they know that in, in this, in this category of, God, like independent. I mean, I feel like independent film, like it really died out for a minute. Um, Cause even the, even the indies that were like Fox searchlight or focus, like they're still million dollar movies. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. They're not indies. And I, and I just, I don't know. I, I there's this like resurgence that's just been happening. Maybe it's a, a post COVID thing. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm very, I feel very fortunate that like between that being a, a woman filmmaker, coming up in this time where like we're given so many opportunities that we weren't given you know five ten years ago um i feel very fortunate to be doing what i'm doing at this time so were you doing festivals before wowzers did you ever just go to them as just you know as a viewer or did you really discover the festival world with wowzers i i think i that was maybe i I went to Santa Barbara Film Festival back way back when I was in high school. Um, but other than that, yeah, I wasn't really doing them. And it's funny because even with Wowzers, like I up until recently used to be very shy and introverted. Really? And, I wouldn't have not yeah. expected that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't know how to talk to people. And I just felt I, growing up on a ranch by myself, like you don't, you're not exposed to people. So you're kind of like, and I would always just wear something super outlandish so that someone would come up and talk to me. And then I can talk. If, if you come up and talk to me, I can have a conversation with anyone. But um, film festivals were always really scary to me because I always just felt like, oh, there's all these filmmakers that I want to talk to. And I just I can't. I'm so scared. And it wasn't until, um, gosh, I think Palm Springs Short Fest this year where um I saw the block. It's like freaks, geeks, and creeps. And I saw two films, which blew my mind. And I remember sitting in my chair, like, okay, I'm going to go up to the filmmaker. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell him I like it. And, and I had like this internal battle and I'm just like, fuck it. Like what's going to happen. And I did it. And I was like, Oh, that's not scary at all. Like what was I freaking out about? And now I'm film festival queen. So yeah, I'm I'm so, a very awkward guy in person, but uh, it's kind of same. If I if I talk to you, I'll be fine. But the uh, uh, that's why I tell people at festivals. Um, if you even if you just go there to watch movies, that's cool. But if you're a film, if you're involved in film at all, there's so many benefits. I think, and everyone's very accepting. Like um, more the name uh, directors, all the directors are going to talk to you, all the filmmakers, because they're actually there to you know to talk about their love of the genre and talk about their films. Yeah, it's I had no idea how fun of a crowd it was, especially starting off at like the ones that I went to in L.A. are the problem when you live in L.A. and most of the filmmakers live in L.A. is that 
you go to the festival with your little crew that's watching the film and then everyone goes their separate ways. But doing these ones where I'm traveling and you're in, you know, like kind of small contained spaces like um, Nightmares in Ohio and Film Quest and, and even Fantasia in Canada, you are forced to build this new family. And I had no idea filmmakers were so fun. I had no idea they partied as hard as they do. <laughs> like I, I knew the actors partied really hard, but um and and to just be with people and just talk about movies and creativity and also like nonsense. Um it's been so wonderful. Um exhausting, very exhausting. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but, yeah. but you don't get so. much sleep and some of the longer ones you get kind of uh delirious, like after oh. several days of watching nonstop movies and yeah, I mean, I'm I was clocking in at, at um, the last few festivals like almost twelve hours a day, like eleven to eleven, mm -hmm. and this is twelve hours a day of genre. So you're really like you don't know what's up, what's down. Um, you know, is is science fiction, science fact, um, and it's such a sensory overload. All these films. So yeah, I definitely crashed hard, but so inspired. Like I I came home and I rewrote a script and. Um, yeah, it's just it it's good to see how other people do things and to also um you know you you see these films where you're like that must have cost fifty thousand dollars and then you hear the filmmaker talk and you're like we did this for five grand like asking for favors and it really it like reminds you of the permission that you have to be a little bit more daring um in in your in your filmmaking um especially like I just did a feature uh last year where it was a very we worked it very professionally but then i'm like hearing about these people like no permits and you know trespassing and all this stuff and i'm like oh wow i forgot about that i can do that again <laughs> yeah yeah I, I might know about things like that <laughs> <laughs> so uh badass when um when you say talk about making something on a uh, small budget but i think things like the the production value add, things that add production value like the colors look very cool and uh, like things like her room is so filled with things. Uh, I like to look around and see like the can of tab and all these different things. <laughs> I think some clothes that I've seen you have pictures of were hanging on the wall and it seems lived in. It doesn't seem like something someone just threw up. Well, it's, it's funny you say that. Cause so Candace, um, who actually, we just got the best production design award at film oh, quest. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's just brilliant um no matter what she touches it turns to gold um so everything basically other than the actual set like the walls and the furniture was um belonged to candace so the tab all the tabs all the props all the little the curlers um the clothes is just stuff she's quite a collector and it's funny because she's not she's not a production designer like she's a fashion designer and she also um she does like interiors, but she has this collection of stuff, which is just asking to be used. And so when we kind of came up with this idea of, of who Sheila was and what her bedroom looked like, um, we were concerned about the budget, but she's like, I've got everything. So that was, that was really nice because, you know, sometimes when you're having to buy really cheap stuff or pull from rental houses, it doesn't have that cohesive, um, right look but because this was all hers it, it just it it worked it was did she, did she happen to have a can of can tab i don't think they sell tab anymore she had the can of tab i don't know why um but she's got just so much fun stuff she collects giant things so she's got like a giant pencil a giant box of crayons um a giant hairbrush like and when i say giant i mean like giant so, well, that could be your next movie about a giant, and then you go into his room and he's got a giant <laughs> pencil, and yeah, right. Well, we're both small person, I guess, and, right? Yeah. We're both big fans of Pee Wee's Playhouse, so we've got kind of that, you know, they're all of the things that we do together are going to be the same type of look and feel, which is so fun. And um, because she doesn't do production design as her job. She is solely mine. I've told her that she's not allowed to do it for anyone else. So um, I'm not holding her captive, okay? <laughs> but 
I kind of am. So um, when did you start working together? Were you friends before you started making things uh, together? Yeah. So we were um, kind of like ravers together on the like disco party scene. And we would always see each other at dance parties. And we always had a mutual appreciation. We both had like similar, very short bangs and like short haircut and um, wild, crazy clothing of fun colors. And every time we'd see each other, we would just sit and talk and and talk about our inspirations. And we both love like Pedro Almovadar and um, just uh, fun, wacky, colorful John Waters. Um, and we said, you know, let's do something together. So the first thing we did together was, God, maybe 2018. We did a little... Um, video promotional video flyer party for a, a disco party with this guy Beppe Loda who's an Italian DJ and um did that together where a girl's eating spaghetti and she gets really excited that this DJ is coming to town so she takes the spaghetti and puts it all over her giant breasts and uh and that's about it and then after that we um we did Unagi together at, at her house and then Zombie Sex Dream was a music video I did and then Bad Acid I love all those, uh, all three of those. And again, not just because you're here, but um, Unagi has a lot of cool uh, sound effects, which I think really adds to the weirdness and, and kind of the fun. It gives it a cartoony feel. Yeah. Doing so, I like to take a lot of part in sound design, um, creative sound design. Uh, I don't like, I would never want to match a door opening sound effect or like the Foley stuff. But, um, fortunately with the kind of experimental stuff that i do like the weirder the better and um um dj harvey harvey bassett who's an amazing incredible dj he's the one that did he did the song in bad acid um he did the song loco solos zombie sex dream as well as um the songs and sound effects in in unagi but one of my favorite things was doing the the scene where my husband boyfriend gets electrocuted because I think I was watching uh, maybe it was run silent, run deep. I have a, a great love of submarine films Interesting. and the sound of the submarine when the, when you're like in war and you can hear the submarine get closer and closer and it's like a, it's such a eerie sound. And, and what's so crazy about submarines is that like, you can't see anything. So they would have like their little stethoscope thing that they would hold up to the outside of the submarine. And you could hear by the beeps when the enemy was getting closer. And um, I just found that sound effect just gets you on the edge of your seat. And then I, I started exploring with like, well, what other ocean sounds? And I was like, oh my God, otters make the best, weirdest, disturbing sound known to man. And um, so I'm like, okay, let's get some otters in there. And then I'm like, okay, we need some dolphins. We need some waves crashing. We need some um, some seagulls. And so I gave all the sound files to um, Brooks, who was the editor on that. And I'm like, I just want all of these together at the same time. And that I, I just love that so much because it's uh, very weird and different and kind of un unhinged. Mm -hmm. No, I, I loved it. It, it to me because it kind of a cartoony feel, and I like yeah. it even better when it's got the layers of all these weird sounds. Yeah. I also like at the end it, which is a nice message. It talks about the environment, but I don't know if the film necessarily is doing that or not. But but I like that it's just added there. It's like, oh yeah, this has a message to it. Okay, so actually, it's so funny because everyone thinks. I guess when they see my stuff, they think that like it's just me having fun, which it is, but. Unagi was inspired by um, a. I actually i i do feel I, I identify as an eel for some reason. I have no idea why <laughs> that part. But the other reason that inspired it is that um, I was having uh, a. I was at a Japanese restaurant having a sushi dinner, and it was one of those restaurants where like the TV is kind of above the sushi bar, and that was when the earthquake happened and the Fukushima power plant kind of leaked into the ocean. And I remember sitting there just in this, like, I mean, it was, it was a really awful feeling of like, is this the end of the world? And I'm sitting here like eating sushi. And then 
Then I thought about the fish I'm eating and I'm like, oh my God, is this going to like irradiate all our fish? So the start of the film is that this, this girl, my, my character, um, Ellen, eats a piece of irradiated sushi that's been irradiated from Fukushima. And although that's not really explained because I don't feel like handing things to people on a silver oh, yeah, I know, I like that, yeah. Yeah, so, so what happens is the result of climate change is that she turns into this sea monster, it's body horror, you know, and and kills the one guy who loves and cares for her. So um, it does have meaning. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I I didn't want to be insulting, but I yeah, um, but I do like the idea that you don't want to you know like hand feed people what something is about. Um, otherwise, then you're just kind of preaching to people, right? And it's just it's not my like. I like to take I I would say my style is like Monty Python meets Twilight Zone. So like in Monty Python, it's you know, the British way. And I grew up, my mom's British and my sister and my grandma. So I grew up in a very British household where um, you have to laugh in the face of adversity because the the reality is just too painful. And so that absurdity of Monty Python and the, in the skits that they do is, you know, poking fun of that. And then the Twilight Zone is that kind of sci-fi aspect of, um, you know, we're living in very strange times. How can we, how can we push it a little further? So it's, I like to take both of those two things and kind of combine them with the, the sci-fi aspect of like, shit's crazy in the world. And um, let's just laugh at it because God, if, if I get too worked up about it, I'm not having a good day. But both of them are, are similar though. Like you're saying um, you could enjoy both of them just on the surface level. Uh, but you, both of them there are, are talking about you know social uh, social commentary, right, right. And so I'm trying to do that in a way where I'm not trying to do it at all. But it is, you know, it does have a point. Mm-hmm. Which a side note, I always think is funny. People have argued with me on social media that like modern Star Trek and, and the new Twilight Zone, like they didn't like it because it was all about social like. Uh, commentary and like did you have you ever even watched the original shows that's like the whole point (laughs) right right i yeah people just like to have an opinion on everything these days Mm -hmm. and uh, the music obviously adds a lot to to all of them um so does he does uh dj harvey do the music before or does he watch them and you know uh create the music to match um so the last one, Bad Acid, he actually did it before. I kind of told him, I'm like, look, I need it to be energetic. Um, so he he did, I think I, oh, that's why I wanted it before because I was choreographing it. Um, oh, Alex yeah. Nell, who, who was my creative producer, and um, she choreographed it and also was one of the editors and is a collaborator of mine. Um so we took the track and and chore- or she choreographed the little routine to it. So we needed that one before, but with the other ones, I always was like, I want you to watch this and then kind of create music to it. And he's just like, no, I forget. I think he said like James Brown, like when he did his movie soundtrack, didn't watch the footage. He just did it. And I'm like, well, like I'm the director, so you're going to do what I said. <laughs> and there was a, a little bit of a battle there, but um I, I think what I just did is I told him the vibe. So I'm like, okay, for, you know, uh, Unagi, when she's got these electrodes on her head and she's getting uh, electricity coursing through her body, I want something that's kind of like synth analog that is sounds like electricity, like the sound you think electricity would make on a synth. Um and then and then he's such a genius when it comes to music so he just takes that and builds on it and um very fortunate to have him do the scores yeah that it adds a lot uh, or they enhance each other you know yeah the music plays off the what you're watching and what you're watching plays with the music How yeah about, oh sorry oh no I, I was just gonna say yeah um for me like that that um you know, director and music combination is so like it started with Angela Baglamenti and David Lynch and like um, um, Paul John Sanderson and Johnny Greenwood. Like when you find your composer that does something that's just so outside the box, but exactly what your film needs, 
uh, that is some beautiful magic. And so that's something that I always want to have in my films is like a really unique, uh, different, amazing score. That's very important to me. What what kind of, you mentioned Lynch there and earlier you said um, Faces of Death, which is completely different than like things I would assume you're into. So what kind of movies like uh, do you like or uh, made you want to make films? Um, so yeah, it was basically, it started with Rosemary's Baby and it was, what's so messed up is it was actually the rape scene in Rosemary's Baby because you know, obviously I don't know it's a rape scene, but I'm like, there's this monster and there's these colors. And like, I was in love with Mia Farrow. And I just, that to me was like, wow, this is so cool. And, um, and then, you know, so that, that was like that and whatever happened to baby Jane were like two of my favorites when I was really, really young. And then once I got into middle school, I discovered Clockwork Orange and that just blew my mind. And that's when I like dove really deep into Kubrick. And I was, I almost, it almost made me not want to make movies because I'm like, this is so good. How can I ever achieve anything even close to this? And so I think what it did, like it dissuaded me because um, I am a bit of a perfectionist and I, uh, I was like, ah, what am I going to do? So then I found, which was kind of the great thing, found the giallo and got really into Argento. And I was like, oh, wait, there's this kind of like super visual B-movie type genre, which I think I could fit into because, you know, I my my concepts are a bit more on the silly side and um, are not as, you know, perfectly articulate. I mean, I'm never going to do 100 takes of anything. OK, <laughs> don't have the don't have the wherewithal, don't have the money. But um but yeah, when I saw like Suspiria, Tenebrae, Blood and Black Lace, those that really kind of drew me and De Palma too into like, okay, these like saturated colors, like telling a story through lights, telling something that's kind of camp, but also a little bit scary and a little bit sexy and raunchy and um, sleazy. So that's kind of where I, I fell into my the style that I do now. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And uh, the, definitely the colors come out of there. I, I, every, not just to repeat what you said, but yeah, every, everything that you said there. <laughs> yeah. Um, how about our casting badass? Because everyone in it's very funny. Yeah, that was that was kind of amazing because literally um, every person that we approached w- was the first person we approached. And um, this is the beauty of social media is these people have these social media presence, which... Yeah you might just fall in love with and be a fan of. And um, Candace had worked with, so Candace and I uh, executive produced Bad Acid together. Um, whereas before, you know, she worked with me as a production designer and I at EP and produced this one. We really, we built from the ground up together. Um, so she'd worked with um, Kate Hollowell, who is Sheila, our, our heroine. And she has a, a band, which is called Number One Pop Star, which if you haven't heard of it, you need to check out everything. The music's great, but she's also a comedic genius and is completely fearless. Um, I wish I had her guts. But so um, Candace was like, I think she would be a great Sheila. We watched her stuff. I'm like, she's perfect. She loved the script. She's like, this is basically me. Um, and then... Bonavega, we saw who's um who plays John Flexi. He's also another personality. He's a musician and um is always in a speedo and is like super fit, always wearing makeup and heels and shreds on the guitar insanely. And um we're like, oh, he's like a fitness god. He's always completely naked, basically flexing. So he's perfect. And um, and then we reached out to Kate looking for two dancers because she used to be on a dance squad, a, an L.A. dance squad. And she she recommended um, um, Willie, who um, plays Tracy um, and she's an, a doula, which so this this was a uh, fun for her to do compared to her normal job of helping delivery babies. And then Kaylee um, found through a, uh, I just put up an ad on Instagram and she responded and I loved her look and she's a great dancer. And that's, I mean, it was very easy. 
Yeah. Everyone nailed it, and they all uh, kind of like you're saying about the the room. Every they they definitely blend together. Like none none of them seem out of place. Yeah, that's the nice thing about having something with that's very movement based and not a lot of dialogue. Is the casting process was more about uh, I just wanted to like I wanted people that were fearless, and if I told them to get really fucking weird, they weren't like nervous about it or like holding back like first take they gave me you know level 12 out of 10 so um that was what was so nice about it like i didn't have to say to them like i need more you know they gave me more right away yeah plus you don't want to make people uncomfortable so if they're in they're into it adds you know you know it adds all around Yes. And I'm the type of person who would definitely, you know, I like to push the boundaries. Um, so if you're someone that gets uncomfortable easily, we're not going to do well together. <laughs> right. So you mentioned earlier workout series. So will there be more in the bad acid world? If someone wants to fund that, I will <laughs> gladly make them more in a second. It was so much fun to film. Like literally we, everyone was just, dancing, having the best time ever. And it was a, you know, we had like, I think 36 shots. Like we shot that all in one day. It was a jam packed day, but we were just, and then we finished uh, on time under 12 hours, but um, it was such a joy. And I mean, at one point I I had the director's chair and I actually fell backwards out of it because (laughs) I I was just laughing so hard at like the stuff that was coming my way. So yeah, I think that the workout industry needs it. I mean, I know that we're not working out from home as much, but there are still some people that are. And uh, if anyone's listening out there, I can do it for not too much money and I can make it look really good. So I'm here. Yeah, I, I would watch that. I think that's that would be fun. Uh, <laughs> would you work out to it, though? Um. Well, I mean, I actually right behind here is I have some stuff, but I <laughs> normally... I walk a lot. Uh, I do a lot of cardio. You probably think, don't know this, but I've lost about half my body weight in the last few years. Yeah, you. I can. I can tell. But yeah, I think you look great in a spandex onesie. So <laughs> I don't know about that, but <laughs> never say never. <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll. I mean, if it's something cool like that was in the movie, maybe we'll think about it. Of course. Yeah. I'll throw without your head logo on it. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Branding and marketing. Yeah. So. uh where does I mentioned, you know, there's more platforms now, but you, you played a lot of festivals. Where does Bad Acid go after the festivals? Um, so we're still waiting on hearing from, I mean, God, if I got into Slam Dancer South by Southwest, I would freaking die. Um, so I'm holding out for those. There's um, we're playing Monster Fest in Australia in December. That's Phenomena in um, San Paulo in also December. Both of which, I mean, that's the problem. These out of the country ones with how expensive flights are, they're just really hard. Um, so I still wanted. There's a few that I. I never know how my stuff is going to be accepted because I feel like it is so unprogrammable. So I didn't submit to, there's a lot of film festivals that I didn't submit to that now I'm going to try and submit to next year, seeing that like the film's done, like it's won some awards, it's it's played an incredible festival. So like, you know, I'd love to, I, I haven't been to England in three years. I'd love to go to either Grimfest or, or Freak Fright, Fright Fest. Okay. Um, uh, I'd love to go there. I'd love to go to La Tranche in France. Um there's a couple others in oh like Calgary Underground. I'd love to play Brooklyn Horror somewhere in New York. I've I've only done Tribeca as a producer, but I've never had as a director played New York. Um Kukalora. So I still have hopefully like another eight months that I'd like to do film fests. And then um I met the the gals at Alter and Dust at um Film Quest. So hopefully approach them and see if they'd like to put it up there. Yeah. Um, I saw that you played uh, in uh, Italy because uh, my movie was playing there too. And I did look up uh, flights there. I was, I was tempted to go, but it was uh, it, like you said, especially if you do a lot of them. Cause I did the one I did Fright Fest of London. There's only yeah. a, a limited number you could do if you're doing uh, overseas. ones. 
I mean, even even like here, my flights to I think Ohio were like five hundred dollars, and yeah, then that's, that, uh, it was weird. I think it was more for me to fly to Ohio than it was across the country. So. It's crazy, but yeah, I mean, one that I was really bummed to miss was Motel X in, in Lisbon because it's the same programmer that did um, Fantasia and Celia, and she's just I'm such a fan, and I know that she programmed a lot of the same films, um, so. Hopefully, it would be nice to have them all line up too, because then it would be <laughs> right. Good. Yeah. Um, but of course, they're staggered. So, so we shall see. Hopefully, things chill out with the gas prices, and I can yeah. get I can get an out of the somehow. Country. I got lucky flying, but I'm also Massachusetts, so really, me flying to London is the same as flying to LA for me. But, but yeah, it was not expensive to fly to London, but it was much. It was very expensive to fly to to uh, Italy. Yeah. Wait, was that Be Afraid? Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, Be Afraid, yeah. which had a really cool poster. Yeah, it did. And cool awards. Oh, by the way, where what are you where is your Fright Fest? I mean not Fright Fest, uh Nightmares Awards. Um it's in so You don't I have actually, to get it. I was just wondering where you No, so um I I got my first award was actually best film at it was sick and wrong. Um and now oh, it's I know Stephen Stool who runs that. Yeah. yeah. So it was for Wowzers. We won best film. And um I have a tentacle with the panties hanging off. <laughs> uh-huh. And um it used to always sit on top of my toilet. And then I just recently moved. So it's got a new place in my bathroom is where I have all my movie posters. Mm-hmm. So that that award was there. And then I got the nightmares one and I'm like, ooh, like a little horse to go next to my <laughs> a tentacle with underpants and then the film quest one came which i sadly i have to give to my production to candace to for production design sure, sure. Yeah. but I, I haven't seen her yet so it's sitting there too i've got three <laughs> three awards in the bathroom and i i look at them every day and feel gratitude and joy yeah i'm gonna use that clip i have a tentacle with panties just i'm gonna use it out of context <laughs> i mean it's it's a brilliant trophy it it is, really yeah. Yeah, he he renamed it Bizarro Land, which is great. But I I do kind of think Sick and Wrong was a cool name. But well, apparently he was getting stuff that were Sick and Wrong. <laughs> I guess I don't know, or more Sick and Wrong than he. I had. mean, it, it just it it makes for such a great story. I think that there should be some sort of documentary on on that. Yeah. So, he still has this. He still has the same trophy. So yeah, okay, perfect. That's good. Yeah. So uh, blood is thicker than vodka. I was watching the video on your uh, Facebook earlier, if you want to talk about that. Yeah. So this is um, something that's really, really special and um, near and dear to my heart. So my mom, um, I think I kind of touched on it a bit that I grew up in in chaos. Um, My mom was a really bad drug addict and alcoholic um, for I, I don't know. She's been sober 20 years. So I think until she was 45, until I was 14. And um, she's been sober 20 years. She now runs uh, treatment programs at uh, rehab rehab centers. Um, she has had one of those lives where people, the odds were so stacked against her. It's like how she is still alive is incredible. And um the fact that not only is she still alive, that she managed to get sober, it took her 12 years, you know, multiple DUIs, jail arrests, um, you know, near many, many near death experiences. And um, she, you know, people in the AA meetings say like, if, if Janine got sober, anyone can. <laughs> so everyone's always told her that she needs to write her, her memoir. And she always kind of said like, I can't write, I can't write. And um, my sister's actually an English teacher and my sister kind of has an olive branch to repair the broken relationship that they have um, had said, I will help you write your memoir. And they sat down and it took them 10 years to write it together, but they wrote it together. And then it took another few years of trying to get it published. And it finally got published this year. I helped design the cover. So it's, it's this really cool family piece of, of, us coming together to create something to give back to the community to hopefully inspire families like no matter how far how how far down you go you can come back and you can get your family back and um my goal is because it's it's so visual like she went she started in england she went to malibu in the 80s palm springs cocaine opulence fast cars my dad was a race car driver um 
it's just it's a very visual piece so i'm trying to turn it i, I wrote like a bible i'm trying to turn it into a mini series um because it's a lot of life so it's more than a movie it's maybe like a six to eight episode mini series and um and finding finding someone you know like a showtime or or someone that does some it's dark comedy but it's also it's definitely a drama so someone that can balance that out and has the budget because it's it's not going to be cheap yeah well uh i'm i like to hear about that and, and congratulations to her thank you yeah I was, um this march will be four years since i drank so uh never yeah so that was a big problem going to the festivals i didn't know if i'd fit in anymore but uh Right, because no, people are they, people don't care, you know. Yeah, and look, I I think it's it's more important that you know this decision. I'm sure that it was an important decision for you, and that's that's better than drinking and having a wild time at the yeah. festival. The only thing that affects is karaoke. Is ca I'll say sober karaoke is not a good time. No, I, I'm I'm right there with you. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I have to have a lot to. I'm tone deaf, so I have to have a lot to drink to expose myself to that. And I like the mix. Uh, you said a dark comedy. I think that's um, always been helpful to me. And I think, you know, to have comedy in something that's serious, it, it helps you cope with it. Yeah, because she's British. Um, I want to bring in a lot of that, like, British dark comedy of, like I said, laughing and in the face of, like, really, really dark stuff. But also, you know, her, there is so much comedy in the situations that she ended up in because they're absolutely insane and how she got out of them. So it is, it is really funny. And I feel like with the right actors and, and like really good writing, it's, it has the potential to be incredible. There's a, um, um, Benedict Cumberbatch was in a show called Patrick Melrose on Showtime and it kind of followed a similar kind of arc and storyline and so that's kind of and it's dark comedy as well that's kind of what i'm modeling it on well i'm i've been interested to see where that goes and uh good luck with that i shall keep you posted all right and so what's next for foxy films currently i know you got badass at playing uh, festivals here for a while yeah but now i'm kind of on that festival high and i'm like all right i gotta get back in right, the right, right. um i met another filmmaker who i toured unagi with him uh uh last two years ago we met through that and then we've been going to all the same festivals his name's joe badon and he did oh, it I, I i love joe badon his new, yeah, yeah. new uh short was awesome it's so good so i kind of we we reconnected over that i was just like i i love your films he's like i love your films and um found out that he's at new orleans based that you can make movies for way cheaper than you can in los angeles okay so um i rehashed a script uh that i wrote a few years ago and i'm gonna try and help him help me produce it there and find some locations for me and crew so that i can do like a thirty thousand dollar movie for seven mm -hmm. i hope um just because i find these things myself and uh you know I'm, I'm running out of financing so gonna try and do that um, I have a manager. I'm going to try and get an agent. I really want to get into commercial directing, um, especially as a way to fund my own productions. I also just think my quick kind of, you know, visual, like 30 seconds is is a good thing for me. Um, I think I can do that successfully. And um, I'm uh, creative producing a feature with Ace Thor, who wrote with Wowzers with me and directed hey, Wowzers. Yeah, so we're teamed up. The Wazers team is coming back. He's got this amazing script. Oh, yeah, he was on the show when, when I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so he's got this incredible script called Fountain Square, which is like a surreal mystery thriller um, set in Indiana. We're um, in the process of raising, you know, just under $2 million for our budget, bringing it to distributors. Um, we just shot a sizzle for it. But it's it's such a strong script that I don't – I do not have any qualms about us raising the money to get it made. And that should be happening next year. And then um, my, uh, my little collaborators, um, we have a, a thing called great grandma. It's a film collective with um, Alex Nell, Britt Lauer and Desiree Staples, who we've all been working on each other's projects. So Alex Nell's project is called Malocchio and it's kind of a twisted fantasy um, 
we're doing a proof of concept short, um, which I'm creative producing. So there's, there's lots going on. Yeah. Very cool. And uh, I, your music, the music video you directed, I think is, and you're in is awesome. I actually sent it to my friend Annabelle last night. Uh, she's at work, so she hasn't watched it yet, but I'm a big fan of it. And uh, I think people should check it out. Thank you. Yeah. Um, if, if you're a cool band and you need a music video, I'll, I'll make you a music video too. I just, I'd like to get, um, I, I'd like to do, you know, I love producing, but directing is where my love, my real passion is. So um, really like to try and delve more into some directing work. Yeah. I see you do a lot of acting too, but that would be for you. Like uh, the most fulfilling creative outlet is directing. Uh, I'm actually retired from acting. Oh, okay. Huh? <laughs> um people people try and get me to do stuff sometimes i will do stuff for friends but um for me it's only like i was i was acting in the other stuff because i was too scared to direct other actors until i i thought i knew what i was doing and badass it was like okay i think i know what i'm doing and then i i could never i i like looking at the monitor i don't I do not like splitting my time between in front of and behind the camera. So I am strictly behind the camera now. Um, and that's, that's where I, I like to be. I don't like to remember lines and deal with the makeup and the fitzing of the hair and the wardrobe. I understand. <laughs> yeah. I've done a few act. I'm not good at uh, remembering lines either. That's why I just make stuff up. Yeah, it's fun when you can have fun with it. But when you have to like really learn and sit down and done with that. All right. So where can people follow you? Not not to not, not to your home there. But I don't <laughs> see what you're up to. My personal address is <laughs> um no, uh so personal Instagram is at the other Sam Fox because there is the Sam Fox who is stealing all my Google space. Um, and the search engine, but she's cool. We like her. Um, so I'm at the other Sam Fox and then, um, uh, film stuff is, um, at Sam Foxy films, F O X Y website is, um, Sam Foxy films.com. And, uh, yeah, pretty much mainly through the Instagram is when I post a lot of updates about film festivals. I not as good as updating the website, but, uh, but yeah, socials, Instagram is, is you can stay up to date. All right, very cool. Well, this is very good to catch up with you. We should do it again. Okay. Yes, of course. I'm you, you know where to find me. All right. Yeah, I just found out Instagram and yeah. All right. Yeah, we can wear we can wear our hats again. Yeah, definitely. I might wear a different hat next time. We'll find me out. Me too. Sounds <laughs> good. All right. Thanks. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Run it up, run it up, run it up, run it up, run it up.